This lesson's been a little challenging, but man, I'm really, really pumped about this lesson tonight. So whatever, whatever's going on right now in, in your life, whatever, you may be coming in here tonight with something that's distracting you from paying attention up here or focusing on what I'm about to say. Just take a second, take a deep breath, clear that out of your mind, and let's focus right here because what, what we're talking about tonight is something that I think over the past <laughs> couple thousand years since Jesus was on the earth has really taken a turn down a road um, that it was never intended to go down. And so we're going to talk tonight about what true worship is and what it means for us today. So first thing I want you guys to do is this is going to be a question and response. Normally, I like to just talk through and not be interrupted, you know, but I'm going to give you guys a chance to respond to me tonight. So I want you to think for just a second, raise your hand if you're ready to answer, but I want you to think about what this word worship means to you, okay? I want you to think about what the word worship means to you, like, and I want you to think of it in this context, okay? Not just what does worship mean to me, but I want you to think that if someone came up to you <clears throat> and they had never heard this word before, how would you describe it to them? If someone came up to you and was like, hey, I just heard someone talking about worship. What does worship mean? I've never heard that word before. How would you describe worship to them? Praising God. Spending time with God. Showing God that we love him. All good answers. Anyone else? What? So what would you, how would you describe worship to someone then, given that context? Okay. Showing loyalty to something. That's a good answer. We'll get into what you're talking about in just a second. Anyone else? What worship means? If someone said, what does it mean to worship something? What does worship mean? Well, for me. I'm sorry, you already answered. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Well, worship would be um, sacrificing something that, uh, something that I want to do. Or sacrificing okay. part of myself in, de in devotion to God. Okay. So sacrificing something that's important to you in devotion to God, Brandon? Devoting your time to somewhere. Okay. Devoting your time. Maybe you say resources. Okay. To, to something that you deem, did you say more important than you? Is that what? Someone or something. Someone or something. Okay. Man, I think those are all great answers. And you guys attack that from a lot of different angles, which I think is awesome. And we're going to do the same thing tonight as we dive through this. <clears throat> but I think when we look at this word worship... And, and Caitlin kind of debunked this just a second ago. Too often, we allow this word to get tied to religion, right? When we hear worship, we immediately think of like worshiping God or that we go to a worship service or we worship in a religious capacity. And in fact, I was looking up definitions of the word worship and almost every single definition at, at some point mentioned to a deity or to God or in a religious context. So almost every single definition tied worship to religion. However, kind of like what Caitlin said, 
I think we can all be honest that we can and admittedly do often worship things other than God. Can we all agree on that? Okay. We worship our friends. We worship our phones. We worship social media. We worship social status. We worship sports, etc. Right? We worship all sorts of things and we worship them by prioritizing it over other things in our life. Right? When we put something as a priority over something else, we are in turn worshiping it. <clears throat> in fact, if you look at the origin of this word worship, it's derived from the word, the grouping of words or the idea of worship. And I'll be honest with you guys. My very first, I was a brand new youth pastor, okay, at my last church. I'd been there like day one, and I was picking the first series that I was ever going to teach as a youth pastor, and I was like, let's do a series on worship. And the first lesson I ever taught, I said, worship equals worship. I kid you not, four years later, my kids could not tell me one thing that I taught in four years, but they could tell me that worth worship equaled worship for some reason that stuck for four years i kept hearing that back i was like what did i teach last week they're like i don't know and i was like i taught that four years ago and you can still say it but this this word worship derives from this idea of worship meaning that the things that we hold as worthy or we deem to have worship in our lives is ultimately where we place our worship that makes sense right what we deem to be worthy is what we worship. <clears throat> so when we say it like that, when we phrase it like that, it does make sense that this idea of worship gets so closely tied to religion. Because if God is, if the God of Christianity is who Christianity believes he is, then he should be the greatest source of worth in our lives. Can we agree on that? If God is who Christianity says he is, he is ultimate worth of everything that has ever existed. We can all agree on that. And therefore, he should get or receive all of our worship. Because he is the most worthy thing, he should receive the most of our worship. However, in our day and age... Worship has gone from this idea of placing ultimate worth on God to simply what most people would have said. Probably if I would have just asked you out on the street before we started this and you didn't really think about it. Most of you would have said, oh, worship is singing songs. Right? That's what we think. When we think of worship, that's the first thing we think of. In a general sense, is that true across the room? We think <clears throat> that worshiping God is us singing popular praise songs to him. And sadly, sometimes I wonder if we're even really singing them for him or to him. Because when I, when I talk to people... And this isn't youth, guys. I mean, I hear this from youth, but I hear it from everyone. <clears throat> when I talk to people about worship in the church, 
All I hear is what they, quote, want their worship experience to be. I want these songs. I want this lighting set up. I want this. I want that. I like this. I prefer this. I want these songs. I don't want these songs, etc. It's what I hear all the time. And, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to get on to you guys, but I want to prove to you that this is true. Because I'll hear you guys like, I'll say like, hey, guys, tonight Haley's leading worship. And you guys will be like, yeah. And then I'll be like, hey, guys, sorry, Haley couldn't come tonight. And you'll be like, ah, oh. like, okay. So we can all agree that we have our preferences, right? And what we want out of a worship, worship experience is our personal preference. But guys, I hate to break it to you. Worship has never and will never be about you. It's about God and God alone. And praising him for who he is and what he has done for us. Guys, we don't just worship with our singing. We worship with our time. We worship with our attention. We worship with our resources. Does this mean that singing is bad? Like a singing is bad worship? No, 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 no. Singing is not bad worship. If done right, with the right intentions and the right heart behind it, singing praises can be a beautiful form of worship. Go read the book of Psalms. Most of those were, were songs written by King David. Singing praises to God. Singing praises to God can be a beautiful thing when it's done in the right context. <laughs> but I don't want anyone in here to ever think that worship is accomplished solely by singing songs. To be honest, and, and I've personally witnessed this in my own life. You can go to a conference or a camp or whatever, and you can sing praise songs played by the best worship band ever for an entire day. You could go and they could lead two hours of praise songs that are just the best songs. And you're just like, what was it? All out two hands, you know, like. You're just totally engulfed in this moment of worship. You could sing these songs. And then you could sit down and read your Bible for five minutes and pray to God. And you would have worshipped, had a more worshipful experience reading your Bible than singing the songs. If you weren't doing it for the right reasons. If you were just singing the words because you like that song. Like, and that's okay. Guys, I like, whenever I listen to Christian radio or I listen to praise songs, I like the songs. Like, they're catchy, they, they, they're good. But we have to remember what we're singing the songs about. We're not just singing the songs like we would, like, if, if I started out and I said, Don't stop believing, everyone would know the next lines to the song, and they would sing along, okay? We like that song. <laughs> we can sing songs without them being worshipful. And I think too often we do that. We have to make sure that when we sing these songs, we sing them in a, in a way that glorifies God, that praises God for who he is and what he's done. So tonight, we're going to do something called praise without music or worship without music. And we're going to do this at the end. Okay. I just sat here and told you how worship is not about music. It's about a lot of other things. And when we get to the end of this lesson, I've got a video that I'm going to play. 
And it's going to be dead silent here. Okay? I literally did this in my office. And I was like, it's so quiet in here. But that's part of, the, that's part of it, right? Is, is to allow the silence to kind of ruminate around the room. But we'll do that in a little bit. <clears throat> but first, what I want to do is I want to do that second part of what I said. Get into God's word and study this idea of worship. We're going to look at the first use of worship in scripture what it meant then and what it means now. So um, first thing we need to remember, if anyone wasn't here last week or didn't, didn't hear last week's lesson, the, in the Hebrew language, there's this rule of first use, which basically meant that God in his ultimate wisdom and sovereignty knew the first time he used words and he intended for that first time he used the word to be a precursor or a way of that word to be understood for the rest of human history. Okay. So last week we looked at the first time that the Bible uses the word love and how it painted this picture of an emotional connection that was stronger than anything else that has ever existed in human history. And so tonight we're going to look at the first use of this word worship and what it means in its context and what it means for us today. So Anyone want to take a guess on when the word worship is used first in Scripture? What was that? Noah? No. Uh, anyone else want to take a guess? Jonah? No. No, not Revelations. It's about as far away as you can get. Genesis, okay. Genesis, no, we're good in Genesis. Genesis Genesis literally means beginnings, so it makes sense that these words are in Genesis. Okay, we're good. So Genesis, what? What story in Genesis? 21? So, if you guys were paying attention last week, listen... If you were paying attention last week, we actually read it. It's in Genesis 22. It's in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Okay. Which is really crazy when we think about, <clears throat> we think about the, the idea of the Hebrew language and how we have this rule of first use that God would choose to use two words that are so foundational for Christianity. I mean, literally, we don't have Christianity without love and worship. Right? We don't have Christianity without love and worship. And so God uses these two words for the first time in a story all about the sacrifice of an only son. I I think that this has a lot of meaning and we should understand that this was not accidental. That God intentionally put these two words in here. It should really kind of raise our antennas. The two of the most foundational words in Christian theology are found in this same story. <clears throat> and we're in Genesis 22. And we read the whole story last week. So I'm not going to read the whole story again. If you want to read the whole story, it's a great story. Like I said last week, you should go back, read it again. It's an amazing story. But in Genesis 22, I'm just going to read verses 4 and 5. It says, On the third day Abraham looked up. 
saw the place in the distance, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, if you look throughout the Old Testament, what worship means, you're going to find this idea of laying prostrate on the ground. Does anyone know what prostrate means? Huh? You guys ever, this was way before your time. Any of you guys remember planking? Okay. Okay. That was like whenever I was in high school. You still do it? Yes. It has survived. No. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So planking, right? We know what planking is, right? You just literally lay across something, right? And you can. Oh. No. No. See, I told you. You didn't know what it was. Okay. I'm not going to do it because I'll literally never be able to get up. But literally, I should have had a picture. Planking is like when you would lay across something and you would find like the most, like you would open two doors. It'd be like if you opened that door and opened the door to the kitchen and tried to plank across the two doors. Like it was like, and you would take a picture and post it on Facebook. Okay. So like, <laughs> so like planking was a thing. So laying prostrate, prostrate before God literally means laying down on your stomach. Fully flat on the ground before God. No, you literally lay on the ground. Okay. It's and honestly, this idea of kneeling when you pray or going to the altar and kneeling at the altar is a is a form of this. Right. It's just like a little less embarrassing to like get on your knees at stairs in front of the church than like lay on the floor like, hey, do it. Okay. <laughs> very biblical. Hey, if you choose to do that, I'm not, I'm seriously like you guys are saying it as a joke, but I'm saying like very seriously laying prostrate before God is a very, very biblical thing. Okay. So like, if you choose to do that, like it is very meaningful. Like I've done it before in certain capacities, like of times of extreme worship or like fasting and stuff like that. It's a very serious thing. So, and I'm not trying to like be like, don't joke about it. Like you can joke about it. It is kind of funny to think of someone like laying flat on the ground. But, but seriously, like if you choose to do that, it's a very serious Old Testament practice. Okay. So if you look throughout the Old Testament, worshiping literally meant laying prostrate on the ground before God in submission to him. And it was done with the idea of one praising God and two submitting to his will. Okay. <clears throat> And we wonder where this comes from. Like, why, why did they do this? Why did they do this throughout the Old Testament? And it really comes from this story. Because if we look at what worship ultimately ended up meaning for Abraham and Isaac, he, Abraham says, we're going to go worship and we'll be right back. But I don't even think at that moment, Abraham knew exactly what that meant. Right? Because Abraham thought he was going to sacrifice his son. So he didn't know exactly what that meant. And when he comes back, he wouldn't say, oh, just kidding. We didn't really worship. Like, no, he said we went and we worshiped God. Because what did they do when they were up on the mountain? They listened to the voice of God and they obeyed his command. When Abraham said, we're going to go worship, 
and we will be back. He meant we're going to go before God, listen to what he tells us, and we're going to do what he tells us to do. Regardless of how difficult it is, regardless of how crazy it sounds, regardless of how Abraham felt about it. I mean, the the idea that Abraham was so trusting and so committed to God that he was willing to take what God said and kill his own son and put that into action. Imagine for one second if we thought of worship like this. If we were sitting here and we're like, if God speaks to me, I'm immediately going to do something about it. If God tells me, you need to start praying for your lost friend and share the gospel with them, that the first thing we did when we left here is we would start praying for that person and call them up and say, hey, do you know Jesus? And that sounds crazy. Like I literally just said, regardless of how difficult it would be, how crazy it sounded or how you felt about it. Worship is not some abstract idea. It's action. God speaks. We act. Romans 12 tells us in view of God's mercy, basically saying because God sent his only son to die for you, you know, because God forgives you your sins in, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Guys, we don't worship God by singing some songs about how great he is. We worship him by devoting our lives to God and acting when he calls us into action. So what does that mean for us today? What does this idea of worship mean for us today? Well, let me ask you this. And when I heard this, Man, I felt so convicted. How long does it take you to respond when God speaks to you? How long does it take you to respond when God speaks to you? Maybe you're sitting out here and you're going, I can't even tell when God's speaking to me. How quickly do we respond to the Holy Spirit or to the voice of God as a direct, <laughs> how we relate, how we, how quickly we react to the Holy Spirit or God speaking to us is a direct indicator of our spiritual maturity. Guys, and, and I'm being totally serious right now. There's a bunch of you sitting out here that are going, man, God's told me to do so much and I have not done a lick of it. Well, there's some of you out there who's like, I don't even think God's ever told me to do anything. You're probably not listening, but that's a different story for a different day. <clears throat> but how quickly you respond to God is a direct indicator of your spiritual maturity. If you're super spiritually mature and you're like really in tune with God, man, when he speaks, you act. And I'm not going to sit here like I'm, I'm going to give you an example 
This is not the norm for my life. I'm not going to be like, I'm so spiritually mature. Like, okay, not the story. I have ran from what God has called me to do multiple times in my life, including becoming a youth pastor in the first place. But when God called me to pick up my family and move to Arkansas away from my extended family, my parents, my in-laws, everything, guys, I did not hesitate. I acted. It was hard. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but I did it because God called me to do it. And worshiping God is us acting on what he calls us to do. <clears throat> and, and I don't know. Man, I don't know what God's been telling you to do. I, I've had it before where I've gotten up and I've taught a lesson on praying more. And someone will come up to me and be like, I need to read my Bible more. And I'm like, I have no idea how God spoke that to you through what I said, but cool. I don't know what God's telling you to do. No idea. Unless you tell me, which would be great. I'll help hold you accountable. I'll help guide you and direct you through that. If you want to share that with me, but I have no idea what God has been asking you to do recently. But let me tell you this, two things. Delayed obedience is disobedience. delayed obedience is disobedience partial obedience is disobedience saying god you're calling me to do this but i'm gonna i don't i don't want to do it right now i'm uncomfortable with it let me just pray about it for a few months and you never really pray about it or saying god you I feel you calling me to share the gospel with this person, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite them to church and hope that someone else shares the gospel with them. Guys, delayed obedience and partial obedience are disobedience. If God has called you to do something and you refuse to do it or have only partially done it, quit standing here in church singing songs and pretending like you're worshiping God because you aren't. I've put a ton of challenges out there for you guys. And and if if you guys have been taking notes, you could probably flip back through and be like, Brian challenged us to do this. Brian challenged us to do this. I've put a ton of challenges out there to help you guys grow personally, spiritually, and together as a group. And guys, I, like I said, I have no idea which one of those maybe spoke to you, maybe convicted your heart. You're like, oh my gosh. What he just said spoke directly to me. Guys, that's not me hitting like randomly hitting a button. That's God speaking to you through this teaching. I don't know what lessons have spoke to you. I don't know what God's been telling you to do throughout the year that I've been serving at this church and leading this youth group. But I do know this. If you haven't done that, today's the day to start. No more delaying it. No more pushing it off. No more pretending like God hasn't called you to do that. Today is the day that you start doing what God has called you to do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God because this is your true form of spiritual worship. When it says offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, guys, that means be willing to take verbal abuse People making fun of you, rejecting you. Some extreme cases, it may even mean physical abuse, right? You go overseas and you get sharing the gospel and you get captured. God's called people to that. We've seen it all throughout scripture. Guys, if you want to know what worship is, it's doing what God's called you to do and doing it now. 
So if there's something in your life, I'm going to challenge you. I said I challenge you all the time. I'm going to challenge you once more right here. If there's something in your life that you feel God has been calling you to do, that you've been running from, that you've been trying to partially do and get away with, whatever. Man, I want you to find someone tonight. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's another adult in here. I don't care if it's another student. Find someone tonight. Share that with them. Say, man, I want you to help keep me accountable. God's calling me to do this, and I need someone to pressure me in a human form to do this because I can't do this by myself. That's why we have a group, guys. We're here for each other. No judgment. No judgment. We're here to encourage and build each other up to do the work of God. So if you feel like God's calling you to do something tonight, share that with someone, please. I'm going to pray for you guys real quick, and then we're going to jump into our time of worship, okay? God, thank you so much for these students. God, I know you have a specific call, a specific job, a specific role. You have a, a will for each and every single one of these students. And I pray that you would reveal that to them. You would make it a burden on their hearts that they could no longer turn from this call that you've placed on their life. That they would be fully devoted to serving you, worshiping you, giving their bodies as living sacrifices to you, God. God, we, we sit here so many times and we pray words that we don't really mean. But God, I'm, I'm asking you right now. And I, and I hope that every single student in here is praying the same thing to you right now. God, break our hearts for what you want us to do. God, what you've called us to do, make it to where we cannot turn from that. Where there's no more resisting, no more fleeing from your will for our lives. That we would run after that at all costs, God. We pray that you would turn this youth group into a bunch of students that are totally devoted and sold out and on fire for you, God. Pray that you would bless them, strengthen them, and encourage them as they go through this journey. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.